I believe I have an exciting word today. And as I said, we are continuing in the series, Our Mission, Our Purpose, and this is part 7. I'm going to, I'd like us to turn to the book of John, chapter 1. And also put your finger on Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to read both those scriptures and then I'm going to jump off with today's message. And while you're looking for <coughs> those scriptures, I'm going to just give you a little, the context and the scenario, well, the scenario of what's happening. And then I'll, I'll read the, the scriptures. Now, there was a man at the Jordan River doing something that was new and strange. And that man was John the Baptist. He was baptizing people in the river Jordan as they con confessed their sins. So now we know why he was doing this practice. He was sent by God to do this. Now this is something that's never been done. This we call it a new religion or a new practice. Totally out of context totally out of the norm for, for, for Judaism. So if you read, you go back and read about John, people thought he was crazy because he was, you know, he was living in the desert and he was living off of locusts and honey, which is an, is an interesting diet. But the thing about it, if you read about John's life, John was sent by God. And if you read about the, his birth, his birth was a miracle. And it's amazing, as, we, as I go through this, you will see the forethought and the wisdom of God. That we are not accidents. We are not accidents. We are here at God's will and at God's timetable for our lives. Alright, so John chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 29 to 31. And then I'm going to switch to Matthew, Matthew chapter 3. Okay, so John chapter 1 verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 30. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me. For he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel, therefore I came baptizing with water. Alright, so let's turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. It's speaking about the same incident, but there's something else that wasn't covered in John, that's covered in Matthew. So Matthew chapter 3, I'm going to start from verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. 
So when you put these two together, you see Jesus' focus or his intent was to come to John. That's why he left Galilee. At this appointed time, he left Galilee with the purpose of going to meet John at the Jordan River. That's his reason for going to John, to leave Galilee. He's coming to John. So he's approaching John. And John, it says here in John chapter 1 verse 29, John sees him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, he's, and this is what John is saying as he's seeing Jesus approaching him. He says, This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me. And he was before me. And then you switch to Matthew now. Matthew chapter 3 verse 13. And it says here, Jesus coming to John. And John now, when Jesus came to him, John tried to prevent him. He said, look, you are before me. I recognize your authority. I know who you are. You are the Lamb of God. You came from God. You were before me. You are. You have more authority than I do. You, you should be baptizing me. I shouldn't be baptizing you. That's why John, it says here, John tried to prevent him because John didn't, want, didn't think he was worthy to baptize Jesus. He thought Jesus should be baptizing him. And John said, and Jesus said, in verse 15, permitted to be so, for it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Now, that's very, very important. It's very important because you would see that each one, Jesus and John, each know their mission and they knew their purpose. That's why Jesus said, Permit it to be so, that we must fulfill all, all righteousness. And I'm going to, some of you already know where I'm going with this. But it's important, when you know your purpose and your mission, you will not deviate to be doing what you ought not to be doing. Okay? So, Jesus came to the river to be baptized by John. This is the appointed time now. He's getting ready, ready now. And the reason for this, to, there are two reasons. One, to be recognized as the Lamb and also to start the ministry, his ministry. Because this is where he was anointed, fully anointed with the Holy Spirit. Okay. So, John recognizes who, this, who Jesus is as he is coming to him. And he humbled himself. However, Jesus was do, about doing God's will. Fulfilling the law because they were still under the law. And John was from the tribe of Levi. Now, if you get this, you probably already know this. But if you don't and you get this, you will just see the wisdom and the majesty of God. He, God does kept, keeps his word, but he may not do it in the arena that we expect. Watch this. John, if you read about John's background, John's father, Zacharias, was a priest. And his wife, Elizabeth, was a descendant of Aaron, the Aaron who priesthood, uh, priesthood from the time of Moses. Now, if you watch the lineage of Aaron, who is, who is a priest, Elizabeth is from that lineage. So, Elizabeth 
and Zacharias, her husband, are from the tribe of Levi. The tribe of Levi is where all the priests come from. No other tribe. There are no other tribe where the priests are supposed to come from, except the tribe of Levi. So Zacharias, when the angel came to him and told him about he's going to have a son, Zacharias was in the temple doing his work as priest, fulfilling his function. His wife Elizabeth is also from the tribe of Levi. Behold, John the Baptist was born from this couple, and John is what? Also from the tribe of Levi. That's very significant to what's happening at the Jordan River. Now, John says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's making a designation of who is coming to him. The Son of God, the Son of Man, is also the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's a very, very critical statement and a very important statement identifying Jesus' purpose. Alright? And it's also said now why he was baptizing that this lamb should be revealed to Israel. He said, that's why I'm baptizing with water. And if you go and read here in verse 31 in John, in verse 31 it says, I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel, therefore I came baptizing with water. That's why John was baptizing. The baptism was a signal that he was, what John was doing was a signal of what was to come. And to identify the Lamb, the Messiah, the King. Alright. So why would Jesus come to John to be baptized and not vice versa? Well, John had his mission and his purpose, as I said, and also Jesus had his. John was not there to do what Jesus was, was sent to do. And Jesus was not there to do what John was sent to do. John had his part to play and so did Jesus. Now if you go back in the Old Testament, the priest, the, when during the time of Passover, and I'm going to get to Exodus and explain something to you a little bit and show you. During the time of Passover, the priest is the one who is in the temple. They're the ones who are performing the ritual of they are sacrificing the, the animals. The priests are the ones who are given the authority to do this, to perform these rituals. The priests are to identify. Now you, you, the tree, you have to bring a lamb or a goat or whatever it is, but it couldn't be blemished. It, no spot or wrinkle. Let me just show you here quickly. In uh, Exodus chapter 12. Turn to Exodus chapter 12. So they were still under. They were under the law. You got to remember. They were under the law. Uh, John had to fulfill his role as priest. And Jesus as the lamb to be offered up. Now go to Exodus chapter 12. And we are going to start at verse 1. I'm going to just skip around to a couple verses. But I want you to see something here. Now this is when the Jews or the Israelites were in Egypt still held captive. 
And this is where the Lord was getting ready to deliver them. This is Passover. This is what the Jews celebrate every year in remembrance of what God did for them in Egypt. This is the whole thing of a Passover. Now verse number 1 in Exodus chapter 12. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, going to verse 3, Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Verse 5, and the first part of verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Okay? So that's that's all I want to read. Very important. What were the conditions? Every household, a lamb for the household, and um, it has to be a male without blemish, without spot. Without blemish, without spot means it couldn't be an animal that was deformed. And the animal that's deformed, offered up at a, a sacrifice, is an abomination. The animal is, had to be sound. Okay? That's important. It had to be without spot or wrinkle. Now, listen to this. John as fulfilling his role as priest. Because, remember, they're still under the law. Jesus hasn't died and resurrected yet, introducing a new covenant. They're still under the law. So everything that's happening here is in line with the law. John, who is the priest, because he's from the tribe of Levi, and this is not any priest appointed by the high priest. This priest came was appointed directly from God. Because when the angel came to Zacharias and told him, this is what's going to happen, and why, God sent his own priest because this priest wasn't corrupted. This priest didn't have any uh, issues with whatever it is. He wasn't tied up in the political and the power struggle of the high priest and, and the priesthood at the time. God sent his own priest and his own lamb. Alright? So, the priest Their function was to officiate at the temple sacrifices. And they had to offer the approved sacrifices according to the law. The priest had to examine the sacrifice that's going to be offered up and say, yes, this is good to be offered up. And then they would proceed to perform the ritual on the animal. Now watch this. John, as priest, had to inspect the lamb That had to be offered up to be sacrificed. He acknowledged that Jesus was the Lamb of God. Because when Jesus was coming to the Jordan. He said behold the Lamb of God. So he already signified that God just extended his own Lamb. So all, all John the Baptist was doing. Was fulfilling the law. He inspected the lamb that God sent 
and he baptized him. And why did, why did that happen? Jesus, what did John say in verse 31? This is why I am baptizing. To reveal to Israel, and of course the world, because this was written from back then, that this is the Lamb of God. This is the approved Lamb from God. This wasn't from man. This Lamb came from God. He is approved of God. To take away the sins of the world. So John and Jesus. That's why Jesus said. We must fulfill all righteousness. Because the priest's function. Was to inspect the lamb to be offered up. So that's why John. Jesus said. I have to be baptized by you. You, John, I am not to baptize you. You have to baptize me. Because in this function under the law, you are the priest. I am the lamb to be offered up. So when you know your mission and your purpose, you can't get, your your, your emotions can't get tied up in this. You have to fulfill the, the call on your life. And your emotions can't get involved. Because sometimes when we focus on our emotions and allow our emotions to cloud our judgment, we make wrong choices. And we go against the will of God for our lives. So this is a, this is a, a very important lesson that to understand here. Now listen to this. Did Jesus need to be baptized to have his sins forgiven? Absolutely not. Jesus was without sin. But the reason why they did what they did is to fulfill the law. That's why John John did what he did. That's why Jesus allowed it. To fulfill the law and to reveal that this is God's Lamb. And at that moment, as soon as Jesus went down in the water and came out, the heavens opened and John saw the Holy Spirit this uh, a light on him, come down and light on him. That is what that is the full anointing from the Father, and then Jesus went and and started his, his his ministry. John was there to reveal God's chosen Lamb to Israel and to to the world. This Lamb was was without spot or blemish. Jesus was sinless. This was John's purpose and why Jesus came to him. Jesus now is officially offered up to be sacrificed. For the sins of the world. And will now continue his ministry. Now. The next Passover. He wasn't crucified. It happened almost three years later. Several months after John did that. Fulfill his mission. His purpose. John was executed. John completed his. He did what he had to do. He came. He fulfilled God's purpose for his life. His mission. His purpose. And then the Lord took him home. But Jesus didn't go to the cross until three years later. And when did he go to the cross? During Passover. When the lamb and when the, when the sacrifices and the atonement are made for people's sins. It was not an accident Jesus was crucified during Passover. That's when the lamb is offered up. So he, that's that's a time when he had to, he laid down his life. It's not coincidence. It's not coincidence. It was all happening under the law. But three years before, 
the, the, the priest already signified that this is the Lamb of God. Everything was happening in line with the law. The law was not broken. It just didn't happen the way it normally would, people would expect it to happen. But they, didn't, they fulfilled the law. And they had to because Jesus hadn't yet gone to the cross. And instituted a new covenant. And which put a seal and end to the law. We are not all here to do the same thing. You know, how does this apply to our lives? And in one of my messages, I talk about the body of Christ. I talk about gifts. I talk about, you know, there are a lot of gifts in, uh, uh, in the body of Christ. That the, that the Lord gives to, to members of the body. So that the body can be one, can be edified. Why is it important to know our mission and our purpose? Why? It's important so that we know what we ought to be doing and why. And so that we can live a meaningful and fulfilling life. And no one will be able to steer us from our purpose. When I spoke about, or I speak about mission and purpose, I'm speaking in the context of how our lives ought to glorify God. To build up and edify His people so that they can mature and be one in love. And you go back and read about in John 17 where Jesus was praying about us being one. The disciples then and those to come. Not the world. He's praying for, the, for the, the church at the time. This oneness blesses each other and it blesses others. By revealing the love of God and reconciling the loss to God through Christ. Our mission does not have to be some major historical event. Everyone has a purpose. You have the disciples, you have Jesus, and you have people who are not even named in the Bible, who we, who we will see in heaven and meet, who fulfill their part, who fulfill their call to edifying the saints in love. We might think, oh, well, God hasn't called me to do anything, nothing significant. Yes, whatever you, God has called you to do is significant, and I'll tell you why. As I said, it doesn't have to be some major or, or, or historical event or some grand event. But it's the day-to-day things we do and say to people that exposes them to the love of God and the impact it has on their lives. It's the day-to-day things we do and say to people. And what we do and say, it expresses the love and they received, if they are able to receive the love of God through what we say and do. It impacts people's lives. It shapes people's lives. So everything we do, is, nothing is insignificant. Praying for people. Helping people. Encouraging people. Teaching. Whatever we do, it's to edify but we are not all called to do the same thing. So what I always challenge people to do. Why are you here? What are you here to accomplish? And you know, and this might give you a little guidance. There are abilities God has given to us at birth. Which enriches others. We are all born with some type of ability. It all depends on how they are used. 
And let me give you an example with me. When I was, you know, a little boy and a teenager going to high school, I always had this knack for drawing. That was an ability I had just to look at something and draw. Do I draw now? No, I don't draw anymore. That was an ability. And there are other abilities that I had that I didn't know about. But now, how many years later now, I don't draw in the, 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 in the capacity I used to. But what I see God has done is pull out from me abilities He has already placed in me. And when I got saved, there was an anointing that He gave me as a gift to bring out things He had already put in me and to also encompass those abilities. So now I'm teaching the Word of God. I never thought I'd be doing that. I didn't even think I had the capacity to do it. But you see, God uses my personality. He uses whatever abilities He has given me to teach. But it's not me. It's His grace. It's the anointing that He has given me and as He has given everyone here. And that anointing is a gift to pull out and bring in whatever that, bring out what that ability is. And that anointing is the, the grace that He gives you and the wisdom and the strength to do it because in your own capacity, the impact you would have if you try to do it on your own would not be an everlasting impact. The abilities God has given us at birth, which enriches others. It all depends on how they are used. However, when we are saved, there is an anointing or gift we are given to edify the body of Christ. That's why he has given us that gift. It's to edify the saints for the work of the ministry so that we can all grow up and mature into a household of God where God can habitate by the Spirit to edify one another. So right now, I'm sharing my gift with you. This is not my gift. This is a gift from God. I'm sharing it with you. But it's to edify you and help you to grow in your walk in Christ. And also to help you to grow to edify one another. Also to help you to be an ambassador for, ambassador for Christ to reconcile people to God. That's all of us have that, that assignment. But the difference is in Christ, God has gifted you with it and anointed you to do in your way, in your, with the ability He has given you to accomplish that task. Alright? So there is a gift, an anointing we are given to edify the body which encapsulates that ability that He's given us. Every gift given by the Lord is to edify and mature the saints and to glorify God. They are all different, but serve the same purpose. What is that? So that we all be edified. My gift edifies you. Your gift edifies me. And your gift can just be encouraging me. Or encouraging everyone on this line. Or your gift of hospitality. You know, when COVID goes away, you know, those who have that gift of, of hospitality, 
Hospitality is just um, entertaining people, encouraging them. Let them be people to be become refreshed. People to 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 be at peace in fellowship. That's part of hospitality. That's a gift. Not everyone knows how to make people feel comfortable. Some people have the gift to cook. They can, I mean, they can blow out some incredible meals and make people feel so uh, enlightened and so and so happy, so that they can enjoy a good meal. That's a gift. Listen, some people can really cook and bake, and some people really suck at it. I don't care if you follow the recipe. Somebody with a gift to do that. Both somebody with the gift and someone without the gift. Follow the same recipe and the person with the gift, that thing will taste, uh, I mean it's like at a, it's like at two levels above the person who really have a problem with, with, with cooking. It's a gift. It's a gift. Some people have the gift to make money. That's a gift of God. But all the gifts are brought together to do what? To edify the whole. That's what the gifts are for. So that we can all grow in the faith. And we can all edify and help each other grow so that we can be the people God has called us to be. So every gift by the Lord, as I said, is to edify and mature the saints. They are all different but serve serve the same purpose. What's important is that we are faithful to the call. And we exercise the gift in humility and in love. Because that gift is not ours. It came from God. So when you, you have to really walk in humility. Well, I, my intelligence, that's why I can make all this money. Is because of this, that. No. It's by the gift of God and the grace of God. Oh, I am such a great teacher of the word of God. Humble yourself. It's only because of God's grace that you can teach. Oh, my house is so beautiful. When people come, I cook up a storm and they enjoy my food. Humble yourself. It's God's grace and gift. That's why you can do the things you, you can do. But we need each other. With the gift comes humility. Because Satan will tempt you to, to have a big head and feel that you're all that. When it's only by God's grace you're able to do what you can do. So we have to be very careful. Okay? Alright, so when we exercise these gifts, and we, in the way we walk and talk and what we do, just recognize that we have to be faithful to that gift. And understand it pleases God. When we embrace whatever gift it is and we walk in it. It pleases God. Why? Because we are doing His will. That's His will for our lives. We're fulfilling the mission for which we have been placed on this earth. There are many people who entertained Paul when Paul was traveling. They provided finances for him. They supported him. They supported other, other churches. Many of these people are not mentioned in the Bible. But what were they doing? They were exercising the gift which benefited the whole. The people who housed Paul, who housed Jesus, fed them. Just open up their home, exercising that gift. What is that? Supporting the ministry. They did their part. 
So you see, it, it's it's the whole. It's everyone contributing to benefit the whole. All right. So, in concluding here, it pleases God when we do walk in His will, and we are, and we know our mission, our purpose, and we're not distracted by all the drama. There's a lot of drama, but don't get distracted by it. I pray to the Lord every day to keep me focused and not to allow my heart to become polluted by all the stuff that's going on in the world. I, oh, I, I, that's my prayer. To keep focused and keep my eyes on the Lord. That's what the Lord said to us earlier this year. Look up. He said, look up. So that's what we are doing. So we can say, as Jesus said, I always do those things that please my Father. That's what Jesus said about himself. And that's my heart's cry. And my heart, and my prayer for all of us on this line. That we could say that I, we always do those things that please the, 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 please, that please the Lord. Because when we walk in, in our mission and, do, and our purpose, we are pleasing the God. Because we are doing exactly what we are on this earth to accomplish. Okay? Alright, so that's, I'm going to stop there. And I really hope you receive something today.